Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, dum-dums? It's hard to believe, but football is back. That means it's time to make an account at the best online sports book known to man. That's right. I'm talking about my bookie. Sports betting is exploding in popularity because who doesn't like making money? If you want to get into the action with a trusted company that's been around for years, MyBookie is the place for you. It's easy, no hassle, mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport imaginable. MyBookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. I'm too messed up talking about it. If you deposit today with MyBookie, they will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. If you put in $100, they will give you $50 for free. That's almost half. So go to MyBookie and sign up today with the promo code ARMCHAIR. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson, and he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. It don't get no better than that, man. Tigers trying to turn up the tempo on second and five with a 40. Bryant with the time. The pass is caught. And a touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the back. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is TJ Most Publicist, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And Mizzou's official goalpost repainter, Caleb Bungard. Hello, kids. We had a big homecoming game this weekend, and Ole Miss came to town to fight our Tigers, and we came away with a victory. It was, uh, I don't know, would you, I wouldn't call it a dominant performance, but it was a performance where I guess you'd say Mizzou looked in command most of the game. We had a hard time stopping the quarterback running. Yeah, as the fastest quarterback I, I've ever seen. I've never seen a guy run that fast. Yeah. He or maybe w- we're that slow. I don't know. He was the fastest guy on the field. And, you know, I, as you know, I had been watching a lot of Ole Miss games. And when I saw this kid come in, I knew that he was going to be a handful. It just was, you know. And the interesting thing was how they used him, I guess, and that, they, I don't know, they switched back and forth between him and Matt Corral a hundred times. It was just they interchanged. If I can teach that kid to throw, yeah. holy cow, look out. Yeah, because a couple times that he did throw, um, there were guys open because we had to devote so much attention to that line. Ultimately, I feel like our defense did a good job. We were without Kale Garrett. We contained a very, very dangerous running quarterback. Although the score, the final score doesn't indicate it, through three quarters of that game, they'd only put up seven points. They did a pretty good job with a very difficult circumstance. There was some shaky defensive stuff in the fourth quarter, but for the most part, it was a good performance by the Tigers. And I know that the kid racked up some rushing yards, but on the whole, they more or less kept him contained. You know what I mean? Like it was, like you said, they only had seven points going into the fourth quarter. I had no problem with the defensive performance. Well, they threw that. He threw the interception in the fourth quarter there, and then we turned around and held him. That was pretty fucking salty on that part. 
Yeah, yeah that was sweet. That right at halftime, keeping them out of the end zone. I was impressed. That was that was that a game was the changer. Biggest defensive play as we've had all season. Well, and think about the momentum switch. You know, they're about to go in and pound in a touchdown to end the half, and instead, and yeah, instead they uh, they get zero points, and we have a big goal line stand. I think the first one we've seen all year. You know, it was it was a good defensive performance. There were um, some missed tackles, I think, but this that Plumley is a kind of kid who creates missed tackles. You know, it's hard to blame defenders for missing a guy like that. You know, he's just really difficult to, to catch, and he is going to any game he plays, he's going to bust out a fifty yard touchdown run. It's just that's what he does. But what he also does is miss you know, moderate throws badly and uh, bails the defense out sometimes. And so that's when Matt Corral comes in. And frankly, I didn't think he threw much better. And he certainly didn't run as well. You know, he had been hampered by a rib injury and he missed badly too. It, between the two of them, if you could fuse them into an, a single quarterback, watch out. But you can't just play them every other down and make them a single quarterback. That's just not going to work long term. You know, when you've got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. They need to just pick one and, and develop that quarterback. And I'd take Plumley. That kid is that kid is scary if you can teach him to throw a football. He's certainly more dangerous than Corral is. And he's proven that. I mean, Ole Miss was a very bland offense who lost to Memphis and Cal prior to uh to Plumley coming in and they they've reinvigorated themselves with this kid. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't teach him to throw, you win six games a year with him running the football. Yeah, exactly. Just based on that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny because we talked about Cale Garrett being out for this game. And I think the very first impact we felt was not Cale Garrett being out, but Rashad Floyd, our punt returner, kick returner, uh, as Jonathan Johnson returned to old form and completely muffed the fair catch on the first, you know, stop of the game. For the defense got a good stop, they punted it and he muffed it right back into Ole Miss's hands, gave them seven points. You can't even get well, if you remember when Jonathan Johnson had that job before, he was he was constantly letting the ball go. He didn't he wouldn't try to catch it. He would just, you know, and they would roll to the fucking four yard line, and so they would down it because he was just afraid to catch a punt. Right. And I was so happy when they took that job away from him because he was scared to catch the ball, and I think we see why. Jonathan Johnson is afraid to fuck up. There's so and many. When he makes tries to make the play, he does fuck up. At and, least in the punt return game. No, I agree 100. percent He's done this. I think every year that he's returned a punt, he has muffed a punt, and you know he's he had a really good game as a receiver. You know, he was, yeah. he, he got some very key catches and he is a good receiver, but that's not the job for him. And it's funny, you know, on a football field, all these little jobs matter so much. And a lot of them you don't even think about until they fuck up. And Rashad Floyd just being a stable kick returner and sometimes a kick returner, all you need is a guy to wave his hand in the air and then simply catch the ball. You know, you don't need them to run it back for a touchdown every time. You just need to know that when they turn the ball over to you in a punt, you're going to get the ball. And we can't guarantee that with uh, Jonathan Johnson back there. And he quit doing it after that. <laughs> it was his only yeah. attempt. I believe they said Jonathan Johnson took over number six all time on the receiving yards list yesterday. Yeah, sneaky high stats. Yeah, top ten kid at Mizzou. You wouldn't think about that. Well, it all has to do with receivers, I think, getting PT whenever they're freshmen. You know, if they, <laughs> you can have the world's greatest receiver, a Jeremy Macklin type. Just so Jeremy Macklin's got killer numbers because he played as a freshman. But some of those guys who are really good didn't start until they were sophomores or juniors, and then they're just never going to make that to all-time yeah, list. Emmanuel Hall didn't get a chance to even play until fucking that Mason kid got booted off the team. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, Odom was dead set on not making him play at all. <laughs> so the 
the offense, hey, we haven't really talked about the offense at all for the Tigers. Uh, Kelly Bryant looked healthy and took a lot of shots, maybe more than we would have liked him to see. And so yeah, a lot of them were dirty. pretty kid. Yeah, he he played well, and I mean, obviously he made some mistakes. There was a costly interception in the second half, but overall, from a kid who we thought might be gone for the season last week, we got a hundred percent out of Kelly Bryant. Yeah, he looked really good for looking like he blew his knee completely out last week. I mean, it's we got more, way more out of him than I thought we would. He had a couple key passes, especially on that last fourth quarter drive where he found a guy for 15, 20 yards that uh, kept drives alive. And, you know, look, when things were on third downs and long, he was reliable and he just always looks so confident and calm under center. You know, he just he looks like a senior. I don't get worried with Kelly Bryant at the helm, even when he isn't at his best. Yeah, he iced that game at the end. I mean, he, he five minutes left to go. They iced it down. They took care of what they were supposed to do because that game could have turned to a four-point game real quick if they let that ball go back to Ole Miss. And his stats are always sneaky good. Yeah, at the end of the game, I look at his stats, I'm like, damn, he had a He's got a nice line, you know what I mean? I didn't even realize. 350 yards passing and something like that, and then a lot of yards on the ground, too. And then, of course, Roundtree had a big – I was about to say, we got to talk about the running backs. Yeah, Roundtree had a big run back. Beatty had a little screen pass. He turned into a touchdown. And then, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Dawson Downing. Or is Whitey McWhiterson? Whitey McWhiterson, although I heard him referred to as the Vanilla Gorilla on the the post-game conference. We're cousins. <laughs> Gail is going to try to take his heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that run by Whitey McWhiterson was uh-huh. uh, impressive, and the fucking reach for the goal line. I mean, man, that was a that was a heck of a play. It was a really good play, and it's the reason we scream for guys like Whitey McWhiterson to get on the field because he can prove it. And you know, I think they used to call Linus Clay the the Vanilla Gorilla, so I think Whitey McWhiterson's here to stay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not not using Vanilla Gorilla. We named Dawson Downey a long time ago. He will always be Whitey McWhiterson. And he got a touchdown when it mattered too. I mean, that, you know what I mean? It wasn't garbage time they put him That's in. That's how you know that they're, they're, they have confidence in him because he was playing when the game mattered. He wasn't just do, doing mop up duty after we were up by fucking 45 points. You know what I mean? He yeah. was out there with the ball in his hands when the game was still in question. It looked like to me being at the game that, uh, the confidence I had mostly was on the line of scrimmage. It looked like Mizzou dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. You know, we had the, the officials a number of times. They kept, they were not going to just move the chains for us and scoot it along. They'd give us third and inches and then another drive, fourth and inches. And we had to do like a quarterback sneak or something to get there. And every time we moved the chains, you know, because we, we could get a yard when we needed it because our it line pushed. A big athletic quarterback. I mean, yeah. just, when you have to get inches for a first down and you've got a big athletic quarterback, you just quarterback sneak all day long. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we did essentially. And it, uh, and it paid off. So the, uh, the running game looked really strong. And then, like you said, Colin, sneaky good stats for, for receivers, you know, that I didn't even know we threw it enough times to get 350 yards. Yeah. Well, the, the running game is impressive and it, tra- and, and I think it travels. I think it's, uh, is for real. I'm starting to believe in the defense is for real. I mean, I know that this is two SEC games now. Now, granted, South Carolina and uh, Old Miss are not world beaters, but they are world beaters because South Carolina beat Georgia. Well, I guess maybe you're right. 
but that's what I mean. Our defense looks has been, I mean, good against both of us. I'm not going to say great, but it's been good against both of those teams. Well, you got to take into consideration, not only was Kale Garrett gone, but this is the first game they had to adapt to Kale Garrett being gone. They're only going to get better without him the more games they play without him. You know what I mean? Now, the first game you play without your star defensive player, it feels like there's a hole on the field. The more they get used to that, it won't feel that way. So I have confidence that they're going to get even better. And I do believe they're good because they were good with you know, an all-American linebacker. And without it, they still maintain a presence. Like I said, for three quarters of that game, it was 28-7 near the end of that third quarter. They played well. You know, they made their mistakes and everything, but as well as you could expect, losing their best player. Imagine losing our best player on offense. I don't think we'd have looked that good. Brandon, it brings me to a question. What Did, did you and uh, the uh, misses have anything on the line since she's an old Miss grad and, and an old Miss fan? Did you have any bets you win? I mean, did you, did you, I hope you gambled for some butt stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, you know, if Mizzou wins, butt stuff. And if, you know, old Miss wins, she doesn't have to touch you in any physical way for at least a month. You know, something, a good bet. Well, certainly, uh, if there were, it wouldn't be mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> sure, okay. Fair stayed, we stayed in conversations the entire game. We, uh, at no point was there any physical violence or anything like that. I, uh, so you I, were there just so TJ Mo knows you were, you were at the, stadium. yeah, I was at the stadium. There were a couple of empty seats next to me, which I presume were TJ Mo's because no one was sitting in them. And I know he famously says he doesn't go to games. So I assume these empty ones were his, you know, anybody who else who doesn't go to a game is a loser, but he is cool. And doesn't go to games. Yeah. But so. he, he played slot receiver, so he knows best. Mm-hmm. I will say the two empty seats next to me were one of the few seats that weren't being used because it was a packed stadium. I think they said it was a sellout. And you could feel it. You could feel the energy and the buzz and the fact that people were on top of each other and the beer lines were too long and the toilet lines were too long and all of that. It was a good football atmosphere. I don't know if it helps or hurts a team or if they care or not. It, I mean, it's got to be a boost <laughs> playing over empty stadium but uh, it was a good atmosphere for a homecoming football win i think if we continue to win and have a good season crowds will continue. i think something that left out of all these conversations about the attendance is that we really haven't had a really good season since that 2015 protest you know and so i get that people that piss people off and that does steer some people away but we haven't had a really good season since the, the protest and winning cures all including butthurt feelings you know what I mean? And so yeah. if we compete for the East, I mean, if we beat Georgia, I'll tell you what will be forgotten is all that fucking bullshit. Well, and also, <laughs> like like I was sitting at Game 6 yesterday, and Ryan told me. Since Conky Tonk sponsored the Mazadcast, Caleb? Yes, I was there. In downtown St. Louis for all your beer drinking needs? Yeah, I was there. And as Ryan said, if you want people to show up every home game, try not to lose the first fucking game of the season. <laughs> you know, you've got to build up some good love after you do that. So... You know, if you want people there, try to win all the fucking games, and then people will show up. That's a bold strategy. Yeah. Don't lose to Wyoming first game of the season. We should try to do that, Brendan. Yeah, it, we I mean, tell Barry <laughs> well, TJ's got his ear, I think, but it it does really kill your momentum when you don't just lose your first game, but you lose it to a way inferior team. And I mean, even everybody who's called a Mizzou game on television since that game and said, how is this team getting beat by Wyoming? They look so good. And it's like, well, you know, welcome to Tiger fan world. You know what I mean? We're constantly asking ourselves questions like, how do we get beat by fucking Wyoming? You know, that's just part of what our life is. 
if you lose that first game, you have to do what they're consistently doing now is win football games. And if you keep winning football games, people will want to go watch you live and in person. There's a lot of things to do right now in the state of Missouri. You can watch hockey. You can watch playoff baseball. You can go to Herman and get drunk on wine all day. I mean, there there are options here. So, I've done all three of those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. in one day. But you've got you've got to win football games, and people will come and watch you. And, and you know, so the, according to TJ Moe, we're one of the few teams in the SEC that really doesn't have a lot of competition. To, you know, for fan bases. So. <laughs> the thing about that, I guess, because TJ Moe did have a lot of people who were supporting him and going like, "He's not wrong." And I, I think we tried to lay it out and be like, "Look, there's separate points going on here. Like, yes, Mizzou's attendance is not Alabama's." Mizzou's attendance is not LSU's. And Mizzou has struggled. There's no question. They are not filling up that stadium regularly. That's one point. And we talk about all the other competition. And TJ Moe's point is there's 6 million people in this state. They could fill the stadium up if they wanted. They've been a pretty good team. Sure, that's fine, TJ Moe. You may not like that, but here's where I differ from TJ Moe. I agree with him. The attendance is down. What I don't agree with him on is that it's everybody's job to go to this game. Tickets are expensive. It's a lot of money to go to a football game. TV is good. And people who want to sit down and watch a football game in their own living room and drink their own beer at at an inexpensive cost and and in not 50-degree weather, I don't fault them for that. I don't say they're a bad fan. I don't think it's anybody's job to go to a football game. It's fun to go to a football game, and we all like to see the stands full, but like, I don't blame other people for not doing it, especially TJ Moe, who admits that he doesn't go to the games himself. You know, that's just a peak of hypocrisy. Yeah, you know, our mom watches the games, Brennan. She enjoys Mizzou's football games, but she doesn't go to the stadium. Does that make her a deplorable, self-loathing, you know, loser? I mean, he's such a dickhead. It's such a, such a, such a grand, broad, sweeping generalization about an entire fan base. As we were talking about yesterday, you know what else happens on Saturdays? Youth football. Yeah. All over the state of Missouri, kids play football all day on Saturdays. You know, some of these Mizzou games start, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. Kids are playing football. You, you can't play football and then take your ki- kids to a game. I can't do it any Saturday. My kid plays. Well, it just doesn't happen. So you can't blame people. Now, we listen to it and watch it and do that, but I can't take him from a youth football game to Columbia and get in the stands and do that stuff. Well, I like that his excuses for not going to games are good enough, but none of ours are. Yeah, that's right. I live in St. Louis, and I've got other things to do, so I can't. I'm like, well, why the fuck are you browbeating everyone else for having things to do? I, I can tell you one thing. If, if somebody if somebody else said this about another team, like the Cardinals or the Blues, or did that, he would rip them a new asshole, how that's a terrible statement, you know? Yeah. But he's saying it about Mizzou, so it's okay. But if you had Jim Edmonds talking about how Cardinals fans doesn't show up, he would rip Jim Edmonds up and say he doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. People have shit to do. But <laughs> He he glorifies himself. He yeah. he is he is fake Clay Travis. Yeah, yeah. He is he's small potatoes, Clay Travis. The thing about it is the right answer on this is that Mizzou Stadium isn't full, and there are a lot of reasons. You brought up something, Caleb. I mean, years past, you didn't have to wait until that week to know when. A football game was going to be, you know, like we don't know if it's going to be a 6 p.m. start or a 3 p.m. start or an 11 a.m. start until like a week and a half before the game. It's hard to make plans that way when you have kids, a family and a life. And a lot of people who you're expecting to pay $80 a ticket do have lives. And so I'm not going to fault people for having lives and prioritizing, you know, I don't know their kids over their college football team. It would be great to see a full stadium. I'm sure 
there are things people could do, but like, I'm not going to call them losers. And what I don't get about TJ Mo calling them self-loathing losers is that only people who listen to TJ Mo are Mizzou fans, the same people he's insulting. And then when people defend TJ Mo, I'm like, you are saying he's right because you're basically saying he, you're a loser, which makes you self-loathing. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of proving his point. You yeah, know what I mean? self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, like, why would you accept that? No, you're not a loser. You just got to, you didn't make it to the game on Saturday. Too bad. Here's my, here's my thing. TJ Mo's right. We should be able to fill up that stadium. I don't disagree with that point. The argument he makes to get there is what I uh, am against. Like, one, I don't think people are losers for not going. And, like, one of his fucking ridiculous arguments was is that we don't have any other, like, major colleges to compete with. Yeah, except we got all a bunch of professional sports teams. Do you know what I mean? Like, not to mention that two of those sports teams are on, you know, a two and a half hour drive from Columbia. Do you know what I mean? A statement. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, that is just, that's either willful ignorance or just straight up bold faced lying. You know what I mean? Like, you, you do not honestly believe, are you honestly making the point that there's, Mizzou doesn't have anything else to compete with? Mm-hmm. Like, get out of fucking town, dickhead. You know what I mean? Like, come yeah. on. Oh, by the way, there was a playoff baseball game yesterday. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was full. I was there. Well, and how many people don't go to Mizzou games because they're deer hunting? You know what I mean? That's that's a thing in this state. Well, that's what I mean. We can list off all the reasons people don't go to the game. And he's still going to be right. that we, we should be able to fill up the stands. But to pretend that people are losers because they may go to the their deer stand instead of the game or go to the baseball game and then game six honky talk is stupid. You know, like you said, Brandon, they can spend their money and their time any way that they well, like. I'd like to go to the other end of it and say, you have a team like Tennessee who Nayland Stadium holds 100,000 people, and they fill it full and watch a shitty team every week. I think they're fucking losers. How <laughs> 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 stupid are you to go watch a shit team and put 100,000 people on you? You got a fucking fuck. You suck. You're a loser. I honestly yeah. think there is a there is a certain part of this that is uniquely Missouri, and that Missouri is the show me state, and it is fans are discerning and yeah. a little bit, and they are a little bit negative. I think, and not just about sports in general. I think Missourians by nature are just skeptics. Can we use the Royals for example? Yeah, 2014 and 15. You could go to a game at Kauffman Stadium for 15 fucking years and pay five dollars until they got. Good. And then you can't buy a fucking ticket. Now you can buy a ticket for three bucks. And honestly, I believe this. I think Missourians are less soft-headed than Tennesseans. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're, we're going to expect more of our teams. We're just smarter. And I mean, that's a that's a broad generalization, just like TJ Mo makes. But I, I sort of feel that way. I just feel like Missourians, most of these teams in the South are sort of blind lemmings. You know, Missouri <laughs> expects more of their team if they're going to go follow them. Well, I'll tell you this much, and I know this is a fact for me. When we're a, we're having a three and eight season, or three, four and eight season, or whatever, I don't really want to go that bad, especially deep in November when it's cold. If that makes me a loser, I'll wear that hat. I'll be a self loathing yeah, loser. I absolutely will too. If they're three and eight, I'm not parking half a mile away with a six year old and walking to the stadium to watch them suck a dick. It's not <laughs> happening. I'll happily do that at home and smoke a brisket. <laughs> Fair point. Why don't we, uh, after a big fat dump on TJMO, it was a good way to end any homecoming game, I think. So uh, why don't we take our first break for the day? Come back and we'll uh, get some voicemails and some Kansas news. This is the Mazzotti. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Seems like it was only yesterday. (laughs) Do you want to increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bedroom? I know that I do. Need anything I can get. (laughs) 
<laughs> I do not have a large penis. No, it's sad. We share the same genetics. We've been shortchanged. Yeah. It was not Well, there. I've got news for you and for all of our listeners. Good news. I hope and that so. is bluechew.com. That's right. Bluechew.com. Mm, sounds like dog medicine. It's not dog medicine. It's dong pills. So what you're saying is we're now one of those podcasts sponsored by dong pills. You better believe it. Great. Yes. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with an FDA approved. This is not pseudoscience bullshit. My dick will be the judge of that. <laughs> Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know it works. So if you conceivably want to drive a 16-penny nail through a 2x4 with your cock, Blue Chew is for you. What if you want an erection so hard that a cat couldn't scratch it? Well, then Blue Chew is for you. What if you want your erection to be so hard, it's like a diamond in an ice storm in Greenland? (laughs) Well, Blue Chew is for you. Fair enough. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they are chewable, they work twice as fast as the other pills. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. <laughs> <laughs> I see what they did there, Blue yeah. Chew. Yeah. Well, what if you have no teeth, Colin? Well, <laughs> bad question, dickhead. <laughs> All right, so right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Armchair. Just pay five dollars shipping. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. That's right. Dong pills. <laughs> Dong pills. <laughs> and we are back, and this one is Wes White featuring Ted. It's called 1994. If you'd like to get your music in, send it to mazodcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to play it on our show. We weren't the only ones that had a lot of thoughts about this homecoming win. Uh, Our listeners called in and left some voicemails, which I'm kind of proud of them for, guys, because uh, we didn't solicit voicemails or even send our number out, but they called in anyway. Yep, we were lazy pricks yesterday. That's right. Despite that, our caller still made it in. So let's go to the mailbag now. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, got about four minutes left in this game. It's a good win by Mizzou here. Anyway, you got to get it fucking done. Defense gave up a little more than, than I'd like to see tonight, but, I mean, fuck, we lost Kill Garrett. SEC East is fucking wide open right now, so it's on us to fucking take it. Let's go. Rip them up, Tigers. All I have to say is how sweet it is. We may be the number one team in the SEC East, even though it may not mean the damn thing with this bowl band, but at least we can say we did it again. Three times SEC champ could happen. Didn't think it would happen after that Wyoming game, but look at where we are at now. Go LSU, be them Gators, and go Mizzou. M-I-Z. He kind of is turning into Ed Ogeron by the end of that call. Yeah, i tell you what, um, if we do end up winning the East, it'll be just like the year when we lost to uh, Indiana in the first game. <laughs> or whatever, third game, or the fucking one. Yeah. I say let's not get ahead of our skis just yet. We haven't played Georgia. Yeah, let's, not, let's not claim victory just yet. Let's play Florida and Georgia first. Yo, this is Xavier living down in Bama country of all places. Are you kidding me? It's halftime against Turdburger Old Miss. Mizzou is doing Mizzou. We definitely are missing, you know, Kale Garrett. Hopefully they're just going to be able to pull this one out. We shall see. We shall see. M-I-Z. 
Z-O-U, they did. Ooh, this is Xavier down in Bama country of all places. Where do I start with this win over Ole Miss? Let's start with the commentators. They were better than last week. But when did Mike Tyson start doing color commentary for ESPN? I mean, did you hear that guy? He was spitting so much, he probably went through three headsets last night or tonight. I do need to give him credit for talking about the NCAA sanctions nonsense, though. I think people are starting to take notice of that BS. Kelly Bryant did come through in some clutch moments despite the cheap shots from the Land Sharks defense, and he had to since Plumlee stayed dangerous all night, especially with all the missed tackles. I mean, it looked like some crappy PV football right there, and the secondary still scares the hell out of me. But I do need to give credit to Tucker McCann, who missed some early shots, then dug deep to find some self-confidence and make it when it counted. He's good people. Now I'm going to go finish watching the LSU-Florida game, but before I go, I just want to say that the NCAA can suck it about 30 minutes after I take my blue chew, because then I can make them choke on it. M-I-Z. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that guy's my favorite now. I love him. Keep calling back. I like him getting a plug in. (laughs) And then, you know, insinuating that he wants somebody to perform oral sex on him. That's, That's fun. The NCAA, yeah. Hey guys, it's 1.30 on Saturday, and this has nothing to do with the uh, Missoula in this game, but I just want to say, Georgia's playing like hot garbage right now. Hot, hot garbage. I mean, I thought they were going to be better than this. Um, granted, you know, Mizzou can always Mizzou, but we actually have a legit shot at beating Georgia. Um, I'm not impressed. They've played like total hot garbage today. Hot, hot garbage. Anyway, go Tigers, MIZ, and let's kick some Ole Miss ass. Oh, wow, now Tucker McCann did a very Tucker McCann thing and missed an extra point. So let's put another throwback clip of the Mazzot cast when they discuss some very true things about Tucker McCann. Here we go. Last thing, Tucker McCann, we want to... Is he pulling up old clips of our show? Honestly, I mean, he recruited the kid to play. Is there anybody else on the roster? What do you do? He's making a great case for himself to be the absolute worst place kicker in the history of Missouri football. I mean, every week, hard job to do. That's a hard mantle to take. I know, because there's a lot of competition. But every week, he puts in a new application. (laughs) You know, last week, he missed an extra point, which is something stupid people do, or people who are terrible at kicking football. Wow, that's a little aggressive, Brendan. He gives up a touchdown single-handed. And uh, a field goal. Yeah. And it's, I mean, he's a terrible kicker. His head is absolutely squarely up his ass. His parents are partly to blame for naming him Tucker. Yeah. Um, so Good 50% point. of that's on his parents. Yeah. You guys are assholes if you listen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a last name, not a first name. <laughs> Definitely change your name, Tucker. All right. Well, uh, first of all, I appreciate that. He's like a, a super fan. Phil's got some competition. This guy's literally doing archival work <laughs> and then playing it back to us. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I don't agree with those guys, whoever they were talking. I I mean, Tucker McCann did miss two extra points, which his freshman year he was apt to do. But strangely, give him a 50 yarder and he'll knock it right through the uprights. <laughs> and he's got he's got a lot more kicking duty now. He does kickoffs. He does punts. And he does our field goal and extra point work. I mean, it's all different types of kicking, and he does it all pretty well for a college player. And ultimately, those two extra point kicks didn't matter. It is a head scratcher how he could miss those, but um, ultimately, Tucker, we've gotten quite a bit out of Tucker McCann in this time here. In our defense, after that, that when we recorded that episode, he had just line drive kicked a fucking football to Debo Samuel and given up a fucking touchdown almost single handedly. Yeah, he, you know, so we were. It, we was, it was an open wound. It was a tough time when he recorded that, so uh, he caught us off guard. You know, after Jonathan Johnson muffed another punt again, 
It brought me back to a time when we actually discussed, well, not we in the Zodcast, guys, discussed Jonathan Johnson on the Zodcast. Let's play a third second clip right now. Jonathan Johnson, who, who did a great again. catchy ball. Mm-hmm. He, he, he just, well, that's what I'm talking about, that confidence, like they don't truly believe in themselves. Because Jonathan Johnson is backing away from that opportunity because he doesn't want to, even a fair catch, it puts him in a spot where he might fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh God, I can avoid, yeah, I just like, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from this. Nobody can get mad at me for fumbling or muffing or doing whatever if I just let it roll another 30 yards in. <laughs> that's a recruiting problem. Clearly he had not stay away from the football, which was a very bad idea. Hot garbage. Hot, hot, hot. So there we were again in times gone by. And yeah, Jonathan Johnson, he's up to his old archivist, tricks. Mazodcast archivist. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want anybody archiving us. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't stand by much of what I've said in the past. <laughs> well, that's it for the mailbag, guys. We got it. Uh, people are happy for the win, and now people are uh, playing back things we've said and holding us accountable. I don't like that. Well, I'd rather they didn't do that. <laughs> no. All right, well, why don't we switch gears and head over to Kansas News. I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story of the day, Kansas 13-year-old girl who pointed finger gun at classmates charged with a felony. Gee, many Christmas. Yeah, this is uh, 2019, folks. A Kansas middle school girl who formed her fingers into a gun and pointed it at several classmates after another student asked her who she would kill was arrested and charged with a felony. The incident has... Jesus hap- Christ! <laughs> <laughs> the incident, which maybe I, Donald Trump is right, fuck it. <laughs> and so here's the thing: the incident, which I would describe as definitely not an incident, happened on September 18th <laughs> at Westridge Middle School in Overland Park, Kansas, after administrators were alerted of a potential threat made by a 13-year-old yeah. student. Now, granted, I know that people have to take all threats seriously in this age of school shootings and stuff, but let's throw a smidge of common sense in here. According to the Kansas City Star, a girl was having a discussion with a classmate over if she could kill five people in a room, who they would be. The girl responded by allegedly making a finger gun and pointed it at four students and then pointing it at herself. We have removed discretionary decision-making from our lives. This is crazy. Not everything is a 10. No. You know what I mean? It's crazy, you know, like we can we can decide one one thing is not as bad as another. You know what I mean? And pointing a finger gun is not a ten. Let's stop treating it like a ten. Police say too often there are reports of violence in schools and inevitably questions about what could have been done or what should have been done to prevent a tragedy. Threats in schools are taken seriously and treated appropriately. This was not treated appropriately. This was treated inappropriately. Scare the hell out of the girl, suspend her for a couple of days, do not charge her with a fucking felony. Good Lord. Uh, let's run her life. That'll teach her. That'll, that'll ma- definitely make her not shoot up a place. A spokesperson for Johnson County District Attorney's Office said after reviewing the evidence, the girl was charged with a criminal threat, which is a felony offense. She's due to appear in court next week. And I would remind listeners that uh, they said earlier, she's 13. John Cavanaugh, the girl's grandfather, told the Kansas City Star that he thinks the incident got completely out of hand and should have been handled in the principal's office and not with a teenager being charged with a felony. Well, that seems to make sense. That will require someone making a discretionary decision. Yeah. God, this is, it, it is 
crazy. She was just mouthing off. He said, I'm really worried about my granddaughter's future now. Of course you are. She's being charged with a felony for making a finger gun. I'm worried about America's future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody's just sort of trying to get rid of responsibility. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, like they always complain about presidents having too much power to declare war or not declare war and emergency powers and all that. Yeah. And really that's born of like Congress not wanting to have, you know, have to make a statement or a vote or a decision. Like they're just like, we're not going to do that. That way nobody can hold it against us in an election. So we'll just give more power to somebody else and make it their problem. Yeah. And it's the same with this. It's like the principal doesn't want to have to fucking deal with it. So he just goes like, let's just call fucking cops. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nuts. And, uh, be sure to uh, make your kids wear mittens to school in case this happens. I'm just going to say this right out front. Yeah. I have always enjoyed finger banging. Sure. Uh, I love it. And I'm a big fan of finger banging. This is not a direction I expected you to take this story, Colin. <laughs> well, you should have. I want to finger bang bang you, baby. Next story. This small Kansas town will give you free land. I feel like we get in one of these stories every uh, year or two um, where Kansas is so desperate to get people to move in because so many people move out that they give land away. Marquette, Kansas, many rural communities in the U.S. are struggling, but some are finding creative ways to grow. We'll see if this works before I label it creative. In Marquette, <laughs> in Marquette, Kansas, city leaders developed a way to bring new residents inside the city limits by giving them a free plot of land to build on. Steve Piper was the mayor of the town in 2005 when the town first developed the idea. He runs the only grocery store in a small town of about 650 residents. In 2005, the Marquette School District was in danger of consolidating, but city leaders knew they probably could not convince an employer to move to town. You might as well bang your head against a brick wall trying to get jobs in a small town, he said. We said, let's bring people in and give them free land and get the people. Well, first of all, I think threatening to bang your head against a brick wall is a felony charge in my book. Yeah. And secondly, just giving them land isn't going to do it either because a dust bowl of prairie dogs is not that appealing to most people who live, I don't know, anywhere else. That's true. The city raised money through donations and grants to purchase approximately 50 acres on the edge of town, then divided it into 80 lots. Here they are, folks. Come and get them. (laughs) That's their marketing slogan, I imagine. (laughs) He said 30 or so families quickly moved in with the new lots within a few years. In uh, some families, like uh, Susan McDonald and her husband, took the second lot. It was just too good to pass up. Everybody was so friendly. She noted that the move to Marquette wasn't just about free land. She was impressed by the tight-knit community and walkability. She said her husband made the lot their own with a large green two-story house, rose bushes, and a scenic orchard. Piper, too, acknowledged the small town's charm. Well, here's the thing. I'm sure it's walkable when it's just acres and acres of empty lots. It's easy to walk across that. So, I don't know. Nobody wants to fucking live in that place. I mean, I'm sure they moved in a bunch of. There's that one two story house, and there's a bunch of airstreams surrounding it. <laughs> That's probably what it is. Yeah, it's just become a trailer park. We've all got trailer parks, and this Kansas has made it into a news story. <laughs> yeah, Kansas, you're not, no big deal. We've all got trailer parks. The tallest building in Kansas gets some upgrades along with some new tenants. Oh boy. The tallest building in Kansas. They must be proud of this. I bet it's a beauty. Four years after buying the Epic Center for $11 million, Phil Ruffin has invested a substantial amount of money in renovations to the eight-story building and has several new tenants. Hold on a second. The tallest building in the entire state. Guys, a lot of people's houses have three stories. We're talking about an eight-story building as the tallest structure in this entire fucking godforsaken state. It took him 40 years to remodel that thing. (laughs) 
fucking eight inch shag carpet in it. I'm sure <laughs> that guy's really he's really keeping it nice. I'm sure he says he really sees potential here. He spent 1.5 million dollars just upgrading the elevators. Why do we need elevators? I say because there's hardly any storage to walk up. I mean, there's parking garages. That, <laughs> yeah. You underestimate how morbidly obese the Kansas residents who probably live there are. Yeah, that's a good point. And the fact that they, they don't have, they likely don't have sprinkler systems, you know, so you want to get out of there quickly. He spent $60,000 upgrading restrooms in the first floor and $21,000 restoring wood and doing the, <laughs> hold on a second. Restoring wood? He spent, wood. He spent $60,000 upgrading restrooms on the first floor. What do Kansans do in those toilets that require $60,000 worth of upgrades? I mean, can you imagine what he walked in on that needed $60,000? Well, Brennan, in, in his defense, the bathrooms when he came there were just five-gallon buckets in a room. And so he had to put in plumbing and toilets and sinks and all that stuff. I just feel like there's probably years worth of fecal matter that's hardened to the tile as well. Regardless of whether it's scattered around a bucket or a normal toilet like they have in the rest of the states. You have to make it prairie dog compliant, too. That's code in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, they have to have a dirt hole so the prairie dogs can get in and out. They use prairie dogs as toilet paper there. Yes. Yeah. That's all, that room is just full of five-gallon buckets and prairie dog pelts. <laughs> used. I don't think there's any uh, football news in Kansas this week, right? There was a bye, right? They lost to a bye. Yes, they do. <laughs> They fired that pesky offensive coordinator they had. Yeah. Les Miles is going to get the train on the tracks now. Yeah, that's right. They did. They've already fired their coordinator. Things are going great in Kansas for Les Miles. So that's all the news there was in Kansas. Shall we uh, check in on the news of the South and uh, go around the horn with the SEC? Yes. We, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. Some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And of course, it wouldn't be around the horn if we didn't boot up the old Paul Feinbot. So, Colin, I'm uh, again. It's the red button, right? Because I'm you all are over in the sex dungeon. Dungeon episode. And so I'm going to have to do this all by myself. Paul, here we go. Nick Saban, Nick Saban. Paul, you ready to do this? Let's get started. All right, guys. Well, let's go through it in chronological order. All right. First up, South Carolina versus Georgia in a game that I thought Georgia would blow their doors off. I can't not, believe this happened. Did not happen because South Carolina won twenty to seventeen. I think thrown through three interceptions. Three interceptions to one touchdown in that game. <laughs> South Carolina's defense played well and Georgia played terrible. Yes, sir. Jake Fromm was terrible. I don't know. Did you guys watch any of this game? Yeah, I did a little bit of it. He did not look good from the beginning, really. I mean, he, he, they didn't run the ball enough either. They have running backs, and they didn't utilize them. And South Carolina, give them credit, their defense played really well. Yeah, they did. I mean, it didn't look like the South Carolina team we faced, and I hope it does look like the Georgia team we're going to face here in a few weeks. Both teams really, really tried to lose. Yeah. They it, really tried. I, I mean, Will Muschamp made a horrible decision at the end of that fourth quarter, which was to he could go for fourth and two and uh, try to win the game, or he could try to kick like a 
plus yard field goal with a kicker who had already missed some really short field goals. And he went for the kick. And of course, they missed it and went into overtime. And it just like, you're South Carolina. You don't want to take this into overtime. You know what I mean? You, you want to win this game because the odds are not in your favor. Yeah. He's, he's lucky that, that Georgia frittered this one away. Bailed him out. And next up, we had Mississippi State and Tennessee. Barn burner, 20 to 10, Tennessee. How Tennessee. About Mississippi State? Yeah, I know. I mean, Mississippi State is in a free fall, I feel like, right now, because Tennessee, they didn't necessarily look good. Tennessee is a bad, bad football team. Well, Mississippi State is just going back to what they were before Dan Mellon was there. Yeah, I think that's right. They're regressing to the norm. Tennessee, I don't know whether they uh, are improving or Mississippi State is just this bad, but I watched a large portion of this game. And at times, Tennessee looked competent. Yeah. <laughs> that's high praise. That's high praise. Yeah, high praise. All right, next on the schedule, we had Alabama visiting Texas A&M. Nick Saban. And uh, Alabama wins this game by 19 points, 47 to 28. Yeah, this game, I was watching it, and I dozed off for like, I don't know, 15 minutes, and it was like 7 to 10 or 7 to 7. I can't remember. And I woke up, and they were like, it was like 28 to 7. I was like, oh, crap. God, it was boring to be an Alabama fan, I would think. You know what I mean? Like, how... Much fun is it to watch your team just drum people. There's never any suspense. Al- always going to kill everybody. Alabama's receivers are fucking extraordinary, too. They're fast. They yeah. just throw them the ball no matter where they're at, and those guys catch the football and go in for a touchdown. They could do it all day long. I've noticed teams are scoring points on Alabama this year, though. Yeah, is that is that because the defense isn't good, or they just put up points so quick that their defense has to be on the field so much? Who knows? I don't know what it is, and I think at some point, just like – could be garbage time points sometimes. A and M did score on Alabama, but it, they were never a threat to win this game. No, we'll move on. And the only game this week that I wanted to bet and didn't have time to was UNLV Vandy because I thought Vandy sucks, and they proved their point because UNLV beat them thirty-four to ten. Yikes! Yeah, I tweeted about this from the Zodcast, and uh, just watching Vandy get curb stomped by UNLV. I mean, just at home. Yeah, my like, goddamn Vandy. I mean, like. I get it. We're not very good, but you should be able to be competitive against fucking UNLV. Yeah, they're not right. good. UNLV was not a good football team. Makes me you feel like we, we get a free bye week, maybe, out of Vandy. Yeah. Uh, then we go down to a game that's uh, Arkansas and Kentucky, and I thought Kentucky would win this game by more points. It was 24-20, Kentucky. Arkansas hung in tight. Yeah, I'm hoping this says that Kentucky, Kentucky. is really, really bad. You know, Caleb, I was thinking about betting this game, and I was looking a little deeper, and I saw the record of Kentucky and the record of, of Arkansas, and I thought, man, these are both shitty teams. I do not want to put my <laughs> put my dollar between two shit burger teams. They are not good, <laughs> neither one of them. Oh, I, I absolutely agree, because there were three or four other games. I was busy yesterday doing stuff, and – I was going to play some bets, and I ended up not doing it, not having the time. And I'm glad because I would have lost every fucking game there was because these teams are just turds, and they don't <laughs> do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, to round out you know, the game of the week of the century was Florida versus LSU. Yeah. Uh, in Baton Rouge with uh, LSU coming through in the end to win 42-28 to because that game was locked up into deep third quarter at 28-28. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and Florida led deep. I think it was 28-21 Florida at one point. And I, I think, guys, are we ready to concede that Florida actually is good now? I am. 
I know LSU is good, and they gave LSU all they wanted for a good little bit. Yeah, Auburn, after Auburn and a really good performance against LSU, you know, we, we clobbered Florida last year, even though they won 10 games, and we were the last ones to admit that they weren't any good, but I think they've got them rolling. They're, they lost, but they impressed in a loss. They're not going to drop much from getting beat by what might be the best team in the country in LSU. They still have a quarterback that will throw an interception in the end zone with the game on the line, so we've got that going for us. Yep, which yeah. is nice. Yeah, Kyle Trask. I saw a sign in game day that said Kyle Trash. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> game day signs are the best. And that wraps up uh, this week's SEC game. What kind of slate do we have for next week? Oh, we've got a wonderful slate going on. We have Kentucky going to Georgia. <laughs> and if, uh, if, if, if this week is any any indication, Georgia will lose. <laughs> Georgia. Yeah, Paul, you're really right. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel bad for Kentucky, honestly, because Georgia is going to take it out on Kentucky. So. <laughs> and then, then in a, another game that could be interesting now is Florida going to South Carolina. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be interesting. I think South Carolina has one of those in them. Even though South Carolina pulled up a huge upset, and it's probably the win of of uh, Will Muschamp's career, he made a lot of terrible Will Muschamp decisions in that game. And I think, like Colin said, Georgia gave it to South Carolina as much as South Carolina took it. This is a team that we beat by 20 points. They're the same team. I mean, I'm sorry. Florida's going to whoop them. Yeah, agreed. Bloodbath of the week number one is uh, LSU visiting Mississippi State. That's right. Mississippi State looks like they are just floundering right now. Yeah. All right. We have uh, Auburn visiting Arkansas. Auburn versus Arkansas. I mean, again, this is a shitty slate, <laughs> slate of games. Well, there's there's not any good games. There's not. And, and this week, I mean, this week was the first true upset week. Our uh, You know, our knockout pool, guys, it is obliterated. There's almost nobody left. Between Vanderbilt getting beat and Georgia getting beat, it uh, we went four straight weeks where nobody lost, and now half, more than half, three quarters of the people in that thing are gone. All right, and then we have A and M visiting Old Miss in what should be probably the best game of the week. Yeah, well, I will say this about Old Miss because I have watched a lot of their football. They started out the season and looked like dog shit, and they've slowly gotten better each and every week. I mean, they're they're not a good football team, but they are definitely improving, and they are young, so. I wouldn't rule them out against a Texas A&M team who always gets worse and worse as the season goes along. You know, they go the opposite well, direction. That only clean is scary fast. And if uh, Old Miss is, uh, throws their helmets into their other quarterback's helmets like a missile like they did against Kelly Bryant, you know, maybe they'll knock somebody out of the game and give themselves a chance. Well, that's a problem Old Miss has is that they had two targeting penalties in the second half, two guys gone to start yeah, the they, A&M they, game. They just start, tried to just destroy Kelly Bryant's head with helmet-to-helmet hits. Yeah, um, it, those were bad. Uh, yeah, those were not iffy. Uh, we'll move on to bloodbath number two is Tennessee visiting Alabama. Oh, I'm glad about this. Alabama. It's, Alabama. It's, it's not even going to be close. All those good vibes they got from Lynn this week, man, flush them down the toilet. Yeah, Time for your bloodletting. You're getting dick stomped. <laughs> That's right. And then in the final game, we have Mizzou going to Nashville to see the Commodores. This should be the equivalent of playing SEMO. It seems like it this year. I mean, we've caught Vanderbilt and Kentucky a few times when we were in bad spots and then they've competed when we sh- what shouldn't have been competitive games were. I've probably never been more confident that we're going to crush the fuck out of Vanderbilt. And Colin and I sent through a game where Vanderbilt beat Missouri like 13 to 10 once. So God, it, was miserable. it was the worst game of all time ever. <laughs> in ever, Nashville, ever. right? In Nashville, yeah. in the rain. It yeah. was fucking brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It was. 
<laughs> I don't expect that this week. Yeah, we should stomp their ass. And that's it, huh? So next week's going to be a little it. bit that's, more predictable. All right. So that'll do it. There's uh, only two things left that we have to do before we wrap this show up, guys, and it is to give the awards out. And the first award is the TJ Mo Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. Who's it going to be? TJ Mo. <laughs> I think we've talked TJ Mo's douchiness into the ground, and we don't want to give yeah, him his own that's, award. That's, that's too much of a softball. I dominate Dana Hogerson, the fucking coach from uh, Houston. Yeah, formerly of uh, West Virginia. Yeah, that uh, he uh, basically threw one of his players under the bus, said he was wasn't a team player, and that then that player went on Twitter and basically laid it all out of what had happened. And essentially, Dana Holgerson treats his players like cattle and tried to get half guard all his senior players to red shirt so they would uh, could win next year. And uh, I don't know, wouldn't even talk to the kid, even though the kid basically had sacrificed his body for the team and was basically looking at long term ramifications from playing football. I mean, it was just it was a it was a if you want to be convinced that these kids should be played and that the coaches and universities are taking advantage of them. R- read the story about Dana Holgerson and, the, and Houston and uh, this football player. They're basically tanking this year is what it amounts to. Yeah, They're the not. college team tank. Well, it, here's the way college football works, guys. It'll probably work and then he'll be um, heralded as a hero and get a big signing bonus and his players will continue to make $0 a year. I'm never going to hire a coach that doesn't know how to use a comb. <laughs> if you can't figure out the, the simple mechanics of using a comb, then you can't coach for me. That's my, my firm policy. Well, I mean, that would eliminate Oklahoma State's coach, and I really kind of like him. I, that's why I, I will never have Daniel Holderson as my coach, and I will never have Bernie Sanders as president. If you can't master a comb, you don't get to coach my football team. So I'm never going to vote for Bernie Sanders. The guy can't figure out a comb. I'm not going to let him be president. I think that's fair. <laughs> Throw politics aside, which I like to do all the time anyway. Comb usage. It's pretty simple. It's, it's yeah. what we ask about. Dana Holgerson can't figure out how comb works. I mean, I remember when the last time Mizzou played West Virginia, when he was the coach, he looked like Roy Munson from fucking Kingpin with his fucking hair. Or not Roy Munson, the uh, Bill Murray's character. Bigger and McCracken. There's a, yeah. there's, a, there's a scene where he's like bowling and his hair has just gone wild. And I'm like, Dana Holgerson is fucking Bigger and McCracken. Like, somebody get this guy a hairbrush. What's that? It's all right, cause I'm <laughs> oh, that's a that's our '90s reference uh, <laughs> drop there. Sorry, guys. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I that, think that that drop means we've referenced to something super old. <laughs> that's right. So I, I think you're right, Colin. I mean, the same expectations we have for eight year olds on class picture day, we should have that for our presidents and head coaches. I agree. I agree. All consensus on this one. Let's just make him the douchebag. Of- <laughs> He's Douche of the Week. All right. Well, that'll take us to our next award, and this one will be a little easier, I think, to pick out. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. Relaxing, beautiful blonde hair. Mm. Yeah, we love the hair of Kirk Farmer. What player represents his, his, his immaculate hair beauty? Larry Roundtree? Larry Roundtree did have a damn good game. I agree with that. <laughs> I'm tempted to give it to Whitey McWhiterson. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> uh, Tyler Beatty, Larry Roundtree, Kelly Bryant, they've all played good games in the past, but this was, dare I say, the breakout performance of Whitey McWhiterson. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. And he, he's got a, he's got a good head, set of hair, too. Yeah. It's like a reverse affirmative action. We're giving it to Whitey McWhiterson because <laughs> he, 
he's gotten the game and got to do something that Larry Roundtree literally does every week. Yeah, I mean, I think in a real world sense, I want to give it to Kelly Bryant because it was a courageous performance given what he encountered last week with that horrible knee injury and how he battled and not just played well, but like got in there and mixed it up and took a lot of bad hits yeah, I, to the head I'm not and neck area. Whitey for doing something that Roundtree and Beatty do every week. Well, we can we can change the award this week to the Chip Walter White Spot on the Hair Award. Let's give him that award, which is a lot of people say is just yeah. as valuable. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I'm my votes for Kelly Bryant because of the. <laughs> you better play that Saved by the Bell reference for a Chip Walter. <laughs> <laughs> If you're getting Chip Walter references, that ages you. Yeah, well, if you don't have a Chip poster and you don't have a Paulo Lenny meter poster, get the fuck out of town. This is 90s now. <laughs> well, guys, I think we're running out of internet. Internet seems to be going haywire on us, so it's probably time we wrap up the show. Give it to Kelly Bryant? Yeah, I'd say give it to Kelly Bryant. Colin? Sure. Kelly Bryant, you're a Kurt Farmer's hair player of the game. Well, fellas, it's been a fun homecoming week. We came out ahead. Uh, TJ Mo wasn't there. Everything was perfect. Yep. With that note, I guess, M-I-Z. A-O-U. You better play that Saved by the Bell reference for a Chip Walters. <laughs> <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com dot edu slash podcast.